I was thinking about what is actually creativity. We're you know, you're, you're dealing with creativity. It's just taking reality and, and seeing it in a different perspective. So you need that you need that distance. He, he just waited 20 years to do it. But when you say time and, and distance is humor. So that people wouldn't, you know, stop you know making fun of me. So I changed it to Raymond. Raymond, I got on the air and I forgot it. And so I looked at the camera, I said, I forgot my name, but here's the new. <laughs> Welcome to the Common Creative Podcast. My name's... Ah, oh, I forgot my name, but here is the podcast. <laughs> uh, my name's Chris Meredith, and we're on a mission to lift the lid on creativity through the lens of ideas, stories, and visual cognition. Um, and, and we've got an amazing guest who happened to forget his own name. But, yeah, so listen to the podcast to... Uh, listen to Lenny's Lenny Ravish's story, not Lenny Lenny Garbage. Uh, his story about why he changed his name and, and when he forgot it. So uh, Lenny is uh, 87 year old uh, presenter, teacher, trainer, uh, stand up comedian, um, very funny man, author. He got up this morning at 1 a.m. to do the. In fact, he didn't get up. He was still up. He doesn't go to bed normally until about two sleeps to about midday uh incredibly entertaining interview and insightful chris it, 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 i think paul and i are both kind of beaming with the wonderful humor the jokes he told but behind every joke a very serious message that i think for me it's all about learning how powerful humor and uh optimism can be um let's get him in yeah let's uh, get him straight in lenny ravish welcome to the common creative podcast Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. Great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Paul. Lenny, can you just give us a very quick potted history about how you got to be where you are now uh, at 87 and still working? Um, I'm, afraid, I'm afraid I can't do it in a... In a I'll try to do it in a brief way, but uh, I, I noticed that when I was like uh, in the sixth grade, I was 11 years old, I just needed an audience. I didn't care what. Uh, just give me an audience. And uh, then I went to Emerson College when I graduated high school, which was a theater school and broadcasting. And then I went to New York to become an, a Shakespearean actor. And uh, I got tired of that. And um, someone told me I could go to uh, Israel for free if I'm Jewish and I have to prove it. So I went to the Jewish agency and I told them, give me my free ticket on El Al and pay everything and my stu studies and so forth. And uh, the uh, representative said, uh, could you just tell me, do you speak Hebrew? I said, no. He said, what is your, um, what, what is your um, profession? I said, I'm a Shakespearean actor. And so he said, you're going to uh, succeed big time. And I said, why do you say that? He said, because in the Psalms of David, it says that God protects schmucks like you. <laughs> so when I came to Israel, I had to survive, and so I became a high school teacher and loved it, stayed that way until someone handed me a book called Gestalt Therapy, and I became a Gestalt therapist, and then I became funny. In my lectures, I noticed that people were laughing. I loved it. I noticed it was healing people. People came to me and said, my pain is gone. Uh, I don't feel depressed anymore just listening to you. 
And so I found that humor was something I wanted to study, which I did, uh, along with uh, studying laughter, and uh, created uh, the first ever uh, humor and laughter and gestalt therapy program in Israel in 1993. And then I began performing. I mean, I that's what I really wanted to do since the sixth grade, and the good Lord gave it to me uh, when I was like in 57. So, I mean, that's, that's fine. I can wait. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing today. I'm doing workshops on humor, laughter, uh, in therapy, and also performing. I I, I have a uh, one-man show that's been running over about 30 years. People can't get tired of it. Oh. What? And not only that, but oh. this generation goes away, another generation comes. I hate to think that. What's the, what's the show called, Lenny? It's called Dance Life, Don't Drag It. <laughs> right. Now, that's a, quote, that's a quote from your book. Uh, I think yeah. you said that basically. Yeah. Well, I think in the book you said something along the lines of um, being healthy just makes dying slower. Yeah. Well, now what I tell people is that I feel like I did when I was 50, only slower. <laughs> so, Lenny, you, you've written, you've written a, a amazing book called Everlasting Optimism, which I, I I devoured, and you and I have spoken about it before. And I found I, I found so many things in there that I that I want to talk to you about. But I think the first one that came up, and we had a discussion about this, was your saying, "Easier done than said." Can you tell us the story about yeah. that? Yeah, that's when I was in Singapore doing um, my very first uh, humor and laughter workshop there. Avi, uh, got, I got in touch with me after reading the book and said that uh, Singapore people are the most unhappy in Asia, even though they're the richest. Can you come here and do something about it? And so we were working at the um, uh, hotels and the hospitals and so forth, and the newspapers came to interview me, and I started to talk, and everything I said, the interviewer said, yeah, well, that's easier said than done and so i told avi you know actually it's not easier said than done it's easier done than said i mean just do it i mean what is everything all about you do it you don't talk about it so it's easier done than said that's fantastic i love it i, I use that now i know that avi's got it as a post on his wall uh so it's fantastic yeah we we got that together yeah fantastic lenny um it's fascinating chatting to somebody who's basically made a career out of optimism, humour, laughter, and so on. And but but what's there's an interesting paradox in this in what you do in that, in a way, you've taken laughter and humour very seriously. You've made it your career. You've used it to deliver a you know get people out of depression to make them happier and so on. Is that but what's behind this comment is why don't we take laughter more seriously? Why is laughter sidelined as a kind of a piece of fun and, and not central to the way we incorporate it into our lives and so on. Why, why is it more important then? For well, us? I could just tell you that when I first started uh, here in Israel, uh, it, that is, it was exactly that. Uh, people, uh, I, I, was, I was a teacher, I'll give you an example, and um, my students loved coming to my class. I was teaching Shakespeare and English and at high school in, in uh, a place called Nazareth. And... Uh, heard of that. <laughs> you, you heard of that, right? <laughs> That's after I was in Bethlehem. No, anyway. Uh, so uh, uh, the, the, the principal called me to his office and he said, I wanted to read a letter to you. 
uh, from the parents. This is a parents a committee, and they said that a clown should be in the circus and not with my child because uh, in Israel you have a matriculation examination. It's very difficult and get a serious teacher. And so he said, I'm going to have to fire you because they want me to fire you because you're too funny and the kids are enjoying themselves too much. And you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to enjoy yourself. You're supposed to be serious and suffer and have uh, headaches and diarrhea. So you have to go. So uh, I, I said, you can't fire me because I have a tenure. And he said, yeah, right. So they made me... Um, with a call here, an inspector, which is a supervisor of teachers, which I enjoyed doing. Uh, it just they had to get rid of me somehow, but they couldn't do it because I had tenure. So we kept you upstairs. So I found out that all the uh, people who were called inspectors or supervisors were teachers that failed. People who can't do teach and people who can't teach become supervisors. So that's right. <laughs> That, but that enabled me, by the way, I just wanted to tell you that it enabled me to do what I wanted to do, really. I mean, I, they gave me what is called a half of a job, which means three days a week, which I could do three days other things like workshops, perform, uh, teach theater. Uh, and I loved it until I didn't. I mean, that, that's been my My wife doesn't understand. I've been married 57 years. She doesn't <laughs> understand. People ask me, how could, how, you know, what, what is the secret of the 57 years? I mean, how do you do that? And I said, it's from the most amazing emotion in the world, fear. She's afraid to be alone, and I'm afraid of her. <laughs> and, and I really believe that a man who's not afraid of his wife is not a real man. So, it, so what happened was uh, I got uh, on pension, and when I got to pension at the age of 60, I said, well, now's the time I'm getting this pension to do something uh, more in a serious way to take humor more seriously and to teach people that you change your perspective. You don't change reality, but you see something and you know how to take it and make it into something funny. It's, it's pure art. It's pure creativity. I give them an example of a, of a bullfight where the bullfighter is with a cape. And uh, he explains to his son that when a bull comes at you, don't put the king in front of you. Put it to the side. Then gives you a chance to change your response to things. And uh, I, it's really life-saving. You know, when you say that people don't take humor seriously, humor saved my life. Humor saved my marriage. I don't think I could have gotten to this age if I took anything seriously. And I notice when I do take things seriously, it has a an awful uh, effect on my body and my blood pressure and everything else. I'm, just make it funny. Find something. So uh, I, I, I perform in front of people and I tell them I'm 87 years old and I'll tell you what it feels like. Just watch an action movie and you'll see that the hero in the end gets a bullet wound in his stomach and a bullet wound in his shoulder and he's got a knife sticking out of his chest but he's got to make it to the burning house to save his wife. And this is me at three o'clock in the morning on the way to the toilet. So you take things. You take things that are, other people say, "Wow, this is heavy. I can't handle this." And you take it and make it light, and and you handle it. Even the way I walk today is, you know, you, uh, it's not easy, and uh, you just have to see the humor in it. See the humor in, in just in getting older. The humor in what's going on in my country. You watch television. As a matter of fact. 
Uh, my wife and I watch the news only because it's a time that we can be together. We're not all day long. She's busy. I'm busy. So we sit and we watch the news, which is terrible. It's a terrible idea. But what I do is everything that comes on, I show her the, the humor in it. And my whole purpose in, in, in being with my wife together is to get her to laugh because she goes really off the, the rails. And she, oh, my God. She's driving the car. What kind of roads are these and everything? So I go into, well, let's just imagine that these roads were meant for camels and mule and you know, donkeys. <laughs> uh, and there's a donkey over here, and we're the camel, and he's going to let us go. And so, and then she, she's driving, and she was just in a moment before that, hysterical. And then she starts to laugh, and everything breaks up. Everything is, is new again. Everything looks brighter. Uh, your your tension is goes you, you, everything is in your chemistry in your body when you're laughing it's it's a prayer it's like a prayer and and when you laugh you you actually do protect your immune system I teach people physically how to laugh I have a stand up show that I did last week and there were other comics who were young and I said to the other the audience I'm gonna have to ask you to please participate with me in a, in a program that will lighten you up so that you can accept these comics in a much better way. It'll make you feel good. And I taught them what is called chakra laughter. Chakra laughter is a chakra, is an energy point here, an energy point on your heart. And so I said, put your hands here, and you can do this with me now if you want, Paul, if you want, Chris, put your hands here. And you feel the energy and you smile. Okay? Yeah. And when you smile, you change the energy chemistry in your body and then the laughter from here is <laughs> <laughs> if anyone's listening to this and not seeing it oh lady and i have our hands around our throat <laughs> <laughs> now put your hand on your chest and they feel the energy here and the laughter from here is <laughs> you can't, John. You can't. You feel better. I'm sure that you feel better. I feel better. Lenny, I was feeling better anyway, but now I feel better than better. Uh, Lenny, just to go back to, you, you mentioned that analogy of the bull, bullfight, and you, and you say it very clearly in your book that when ne negativity comes charging at you, put the red cape to one side, take a deep breath, smile, and watch what happens. Um, you'll get your yeah. creative juices flowing in an instant. And I think that's fantastic. Fantastic um, summary, but you also say something else. And just talking about your the length of time and and those issues you had at school, you say the difference between tragedy and comedy is distance. Yeah, uh, you you really can't see the humor in something as it you know some tragedy. Yeah, when you're right up close to it. But as the years go on, you know, even people today, are, uh, you know, you couldn't make a, a, a joke about the Holocaust, let's say, twenty years ago. But the comics today, because it's now 80 years ago or 90 years or something, they could actually look at it. And look, Mel Brooks did it when he when he did a yeah. movie called The Producers, and he did Springtime for Hitler. I mean, this is a springtime for Hitler. Oh, Hitler. Germany. I don't know if you saw it. Yes. I, I don't know if you saw it or not, but that was like in the 60s, which was like, 20 years after the Second World War, and he that, that was for him enough distance to be able to put it on the screen and people would, you know, watch 
uh, Hitler with with Himmler and all these other uh, people, but the, the, he made him into you know these uh, caricatures and fun and and musical, and people going around with the Nazi boots singing "Springtime for Hitler" in Germany. I mean, <laughs> so you need that you need that distance. He he just waited twenty years to do it, but uh, he did it, and that's the that's what you when you say time and and distance is humor. You get away from it, you look at it differently, and that's the creativity. When I was thinking about talking to you guys, I was thinking about what is actually creativity. Burger Healer, you you dealing with creativity. It's just taking reality and and seeing it in a different perspective. You have it in um in humor, you have it in music, you have it in script writing. You just take what is and make it into a different reality. It's that the reality doesn't change, but your perception changes, and also do, so does your response. You, you know, there's a, uh, there was a fellow by the name of Viktor Frankl who was in the Nazi, Nazi death camp, and he said Hitler, the the Nazis took everything away from me, but there's one thing they couldn't take it: the last of all human freedoms, which is they can't take away the way I want to respond. I respond either with jokes, with humor, or giving my piece of last piece of bread away to somebody else. And I'm going to make it because I have meaning. This uh, whole death camp gives me meaning. And I think that's creativity. I think that's taking the reality and choosing a different response and seeing it in a different perspective. And that's why I'm so glad to be here and talk to you guys because you're great listeners. I don't know if the listeners who are listening to this will be great listeners. <laughs> oh, maybe the internet's coming. <laughs> it's easier to laugh now, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Many, I got, I got a, a very practical question for you because it, it's it sounds truly inspiring. It, in theory, this idea of the <laughs> in, in, <laughs> in theory. <laughs> So my question is: you know, All of us deal with things that get thrown at us. Let's say you're in in a trying to get to a meeting and you're a bit late, and of course there's a traffic jam or something happens. Something gets thrown at you, and instinctively we respond with anger or rage or annoyance or those kinds of things. But you have this gift to say, "Well, what if a camel were here?" Or what the question is: What's Give us some practical tips, but when something gets thrown at you, how do you get that cape to one side? How do you interpret it in a different way so you have any perspective? Well, I had a taxi driver who used to take me to my performances. I sometimes have one in the morning and the afternoon and so forth. And I asked him, look, we're in a, we're in a terrible uh, situation here with a traffic jam. And he said one sentence to me, but that to me that's putting the cape to the side. It was a beautiful example. He said, um, I used to get pissed off at traffic jams until I realized that the traffic jam doesn't care. <laughs> I mean, he just saw it in a way that I'm going to get nervous, I'm going to beat my horn, I'm going to start killing people and shooting, and nobody cares. I mean, the traffic jam is a traffic jam. And, and I look I look at When he told me that, I just said, yeah, reality doesn't care how I yeah. respond. So why am I going to you know, respond in a way that hurts my health? It makes me unhappy, makes me depressed, makes me under pressure. Uh, I, I want a good life. So I, it, my taxi driver actually gave me the permission 
uh, to, to, to see things in that way. So when you talk about traffic jams or anything else, reality doesn't care about your feelings. Nobody cares about yeah. your feelings. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> I'm it's saying full to express your feelings. Yeah, right? reality doesn't care about your feelings. The universe doesn't care about your feelings. Okay, the universe is going to throw stuff at you. Okay, I'm I'm old enough, and you guys have been through it, and you know what the universe can throw at you. And uh, if you don't handle it in a way that's you know light and 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 funny and humorous and optimistic, you're going to suffer. And and why do that? I, I mean, I told my wife this. I, I swear, I told her, you know, you're perfect. I said, how can you say that? I said, if you're not perfect, I'm going to suffer. <laughs> so why not just make everything perfect? And stop suffering. So everything is perfect the way it is. The traffic jam is perfect. It rains today. It's perfect. People will be bomb throwing bombs at me from wherever. I don't know. It's perfect. It's funny. Come to the shelter. No, I want to watch this. No, it's it's perfect. You're perfect. And I decided that my wife is perfect. And that the whole reality, everything in life is perfect the way it is. And that prevents me from suffering. Fantastic. <laughs> and even you guys are perfect. Paul, you're perfect. What? Chris, you're perfect. Yeah. I'm yeah, definitely I'm perfect. perfect. <laughs> I'm very clear. I'm definitely perfect. <laughs> and Chris has told me many times he's perfect. So I know that he's perfect. Um, I, I've, you're perfect. I'm working, you're perfect. I'm working on it, Lenny. Hey, yeah. Don't work on it. You're perfect. Lenny, tell me. Just tell us. Tell, well, what's the, I, I'm intrigued about your uh, show that's been running for 30 years, your one-man show. So what, is it a stand-up? Act or is it a, what, what? What is it? I don't know. All oh, right. I, uh, <laughs> no, seriously, it's it's a presentation. But if you want to get people to listen to you, you got to be funny. You got to be humorous. It's called be funny, make money. Um, people are uh, you know that people are paying attention uh, when you're uh, when they're when they're laughing. So why not take something? Is I I, I tell stories about uh, about my childhood, with which were very very. Uh, difficult, but I, I make it as as something that's light and and funny. I, I was actually put in a special education class because I was considered disturbed. I'm still disturbed. <laughs> what is the difference between a disturbed child and a disturbed adult? A disturbed child gets humiliated. The disturbed adult makes tons of money. Uh, <laughs> And when they put me in this special education class, they wrote down the reason for putting me in class that was called the dummy class. And the analysis was uh, overjoyous. He's he's too happy to learn, you know, something like that. And I, I, I you know, and it gives people a message, but at the same time, they're laughing, they're having a good time. It's almost like a stand-up. I mean, it's laugh after laugh after laugh but there's message after message after message when i talk about how i forgot my name as a as a radio television announcer my name is leonard rabbitch and people called me leonard garbage so i had to change the name so that people wouldn't you know stop you know making fun of me so i changed it to raymond leonard raymond i got on the air and i forgot it <laughs> and so i looked at the camera i said i forgot my name but here's the new and so so it gives people, you know, the 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 permission to make mistakes. This guy was, uh, you know, broadcasting, forgets his name, and he's laughing at himself, which is the highest form of humor and creativity, in my opinion. 
You don't laugh at anybody. Yeah. You laugh at yourself. And when you laugh at yourself, people laugh with you. They're not laughing at you. And when the people are laughing with you, they get intimate with you. You've got friends already. You're making the whole audience of 1,000, 2,000 people, you're making them into friends. Because when you when you show your vulnerability, you know, here I am you know, forgetting my name on the air, uh, we show your vulnerability, it brings people closer to you. And this is called intimacy. And my interpretation of intimacy is into me see. And when people can see oh. you as vulnerable, and yeah. someone who makes mistakes just like that you do, and they do, and they identify with you, and they get closer to you. So this is what I do on my show. I just make people feel better about themselves, and it's okay to make a mistake, and it's okay to 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 to, you know, to be a schmuck. You know, like I told you before, schmucks like you are protected by God, and I started to believe that. So. <laughs> I'm a schmuck because I'm not protected. So uh, that's a high form. It's a very high form of humor. Let me try a, a, a bit of psychological theory because you mentioned a couple of examples where you've been kind of punished for having too much fun in, in school <laughs> and then when you take class, it's come all over. How dare you? So, so I, I'm wondering if if the reason for that, if, if somebody that's laughs has fun is being vulnerable and being open, the reason why other people might react against it is it's kind of threatening because I don't dare reveal myself in that way. How dare you be so vulnerable and open? And it's easier for me if I shut you down. What is, I mean, forget the bit of psychology. What do you think? Does that make sense to you? Oh, absolutely. Uh, people laughed at me. I, I have many, many examples where people didn't take me seriously. As a matter of fact, when I was a supervisor, I had a colleague come to my office and complain. She said, I can't pin you down. You know, you're I don't know if you're serious or if you're you're laughing. I said, I'm always serious and I'm always laughing. And then she said, you know, but you're 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 an, you're a supervisor, you're a gestalt therapist, you're a performer, you're a teacher, you're you're a, 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 a an actor. I, I I don't know how to pin you down. And my answer to her was, her name was Esther, and I said, Esther, seek help. You know, <laughs> It's not my problem, it's yours. I ain't who I am, it bothers you. Go, go, go find a therapist and work it out. <laughs> I, I think that that, that counts as always serious, always laughing. It's kind of, laughter can only be trivial. Uh, and you're like, no, no, no. Laughter's very serious because it helps, brings people together. It makes them vulnerable. It's an act of creativity. It's kind of, it's it's the paradox of laughter, isn't it? It's It's funny and it's serious all at once. <laughs> Yeah, I was accused many, many times of not being serious enough uh, by my, not by my family. My family loved it when I made them laugh when I was a kid. But teachers didn't like it when I made the in the class laugh. Um, but that that's when I discovered that I had this talent and I could make people laugh. But it it it, it made me the focus and not the teacher. So I, I uh, yeah. so I was sent to. Um, a guidance counselor who, who was fantastic. She used to call me God. Whenever she saw me, she was a, I came to her office. She's oh my God, it's you again. So, no, <laughs> <laughs> so I went through a lot. I went through a lot, but I, I just didn't want to give up. You know, I, I'm, there were times where like I said, oh, I, I try to be serious. I swear, I I felt guilty that I was. As a matter of fact, I used to pray to God. I'd say, dear God, please make me normal. 
uh, like <laughs> like other kids. I mean, give me a little bit of depression and and you know some <laughs> so anxiety. I I don't have any. You know, make me normal like the other kids. Everybody's looking at me as being abnormal. I swear, when I was a kid, I used to pray every day. Dear God, I'm going to school today. Don't let me be funny. Don't don't <laughs> don't do it because I'm going to get sent home again. And then, by the way, I I got I I used to have to come home with uh, to my mother, and uh, so many times I said, "Mom, they want to see you in school." Here's a letter, and she came to school a lot. And finally, when I got my final report card, I failed everything uh, except two subjects. One was. Um, physical education and the other was a uh, choir and so uh she looked at my report card and she said i deserve this report card because i'm in school more than you <laughs> and, <laughs> and it, i mean that gave me permission thanks mom i'm, I'm normal <laughs> i mean if she can do it you know why can't i and, and that she gave me the permission she gave me the permission don't stop you know look at it uh, my son stole my car, which was a oh I had a very broken down car, uh, very old. That's all I could afford when he was like fourteen years old. And one night I went to sleep, he stole the keys and took his friends for a ride. And they came to a police barrier, and the police uh, wanted to check him, and he went through the barrier. So they gave chase. <laughs> they captured, they take, pull him out of the car, they put handcuffs on him, they take him to jail. And they get a call in the middle of the night, your son is in detention. And I came there and I saw him behind bars. And I did the same thing to him that I did with my mother did with me. I just looked at him and he looked very dejected and, and very, very humiliated. I said, aren't you ashamed of yourself? You gave a car chase with an old, broken down, you know, the... <laughs> You're not coming home until you steal a Mercedes. <laughs> And that was the bond between us. You know, every time I see my sons, my, my daughter, my son, it's and my grandchildren, it's always, always fun. It's always laughter. I mean, that's that keeps us together. That bonds us. I mean, amazing. Hi, Lenny, we're, we're, unfortunately, we're uh, coming to, to the end. We're running out of time. But there's a question I wanted to... No, no. <laughs> I just woke up. <laughs> um, in your book, I just wanted to ask you one more question around creativity. You said that there's this thing that um, Gestalt therapy calls creative adjustment. You said some people call it lying and cheating. Uh, and you have a story about when you're a student, um, you know, doing the stuff that you wanted to do out of the back of the classroom. But I'm just interested in that, uh, that idea about uh, your take on creative adjustment. I w was going for um, a master's degree. And um, the, the, the I was in Birmingham, Alabama, and now you have to have a license. In order to get the license, you have to study physics uh, and uh, chemistry and uh, biology. So why? Because the Russians sent a Sputnik to the moon, which means that they have more hard subjects, mathematics and stuff like that, in their curriculum. So we want to send, we want Lenny Ravage to help us get to the moon. So I had to study physics, which I, I swear, I swear, I'm, I didn't understand a thing. I mean, what, what is a Newton? What is a unit? I didn't understand. I tried. You know, I went. I even went to the to the to the laboratory and put a ball, you know, in and watched it bounce. And I had to write down. What happened was I showed up, 
at the test, the final test, there were 120 people in class, and I didn't know anything. And I looked over at this guy sitting next to me, and this is creative adjustment, and it's also luck. I see this guy chewing a, a, a toothpick, and he's got this straight blonde hair. He's gorgeous. And I said to him, excuse me. He said, what? I said, before the test starts, are you a Christian? He said, yeah, why? I said, I'm Jewish. He said, oh, okay. I said, no, no, wait. I understand Christians are supposed to help their fellow man. Is this true? He said, yeah, why? I said, help me. I got to get out of here with a six out of 10. I don't want to be, I mean, I know you can give me a 10 and I'll be a genius. I don't want that. I just want to get a six so that I can get my license. He said, no problem. And he, so that's that's called creative adjustment. That's why I said some people call it cheating. I cheated. <laughs> but that's creative adjustment. You're in here, you know, you got, are you a Christian? I mean, what else are you going to do? You know, uh, This also happened to me when I went to the, a Baptist uh, university for my master's degree. They told me I couldn't go there because I had a, 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 a 79 po points uh, on my average and you needed an 82. And so I said, I want to see the president of the university. And they looked at me like I was a little bit off. And they said, okay. I went to see the president. And I said, and he takes my, uh, my file. And he looks at it. He says, you can't study here. You don't have the, the points. And I said, how much do I need? He said, 82. I said, I got a 79. He said, it won't work. I said, uh, I understand this is a Christian college. It's Baptist. <laughs> and he said, yeah. Now, this is creative adjustment. And it, I didn't know who was coming. I didn't know I was going to say this, okay? I just know that I'm going to study there. How do you do that? You you create and you adjust. You adjust to the situation. And I said, if Jesus Christ was sitting where you are right now, would he accept me? <laughs> and I got accepted. <laughs> That's creative adjustment. Some people call it cheating. That's how I got through life. That's it. You know, creative adjustments. And I love Christians, I'll tell you that. I love <laughs> they do you know how to play the tune of I don't like you so much, but Christians I love them. <laughs> oh, I say Levi, I don't um religion and um politics, so it's we're we're starting to get into uh dangerous ground here. Um, Lenny, I yeah. I just want to say thank you, not only for joining us, but for joining us at at one 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 AM your time. So uh absolutely fantastic. But I know that you do like the sleep late, so um, hopefully it wasn't too much, uh, too much of an imposition for you. Um, so look, it's been absolutely fantastic, and uh, my, my jaw is hurting from laughing. Laughing. Uh, so uh, <laughs> you should always have pain like that. Always. <laughs> I wish you pain. I bless you with pain on your cheeks. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm I'm going to go and take up bullfighting now. I think that's my uh, my next. I need a red cape so that I can. Uh, <laughs> Handle anything that's thrown at me. It's been brilliant chatting to you, Lenny. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Re you. You've lifted my spirits and given me insights about creativity and humour and the world. Fantastic. Thank you so much for inviting me. Right. Thank you so much. Thanks, Lenny. Well, Chris, um, wow, that was uh, that was certainly worth staying up until one. In fact, we didn't stay up. He did. It was worth Lenny staying up to one o'clock for us. <laughs> It was it was very kind of I loved it. I mean, love this. What a perspective on life. It, 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 everything is perfect. If you're in a traffic jam, it's a perfect traffic jam. If you're being interviewed at 1am on a podcast, it's perfect. 
what an outlook to have on life. What a wonderful way of seeing things and and sidestepping or reframing the negative stuff that gets thrown at us. And how he, that's what he said about creativity. That was the big learning. Um, creativity is this this ability to see things from a different perspective and big powerful lesson for us. Well, yeah, look, that whole thing of bad humor, uh, something that you and I both use in our speaking, Chris. But I got to say that he's given me permission to uh, maybe use it a bit more and to lie and cheat as well, which is a bit, you know, that's a bit of creative adjustment. Um, like well, we, I would never lie or cheat. I just wouldn't be honest. <laughs> That's right. We, we always like to have our accountants to be creative. The tax office, the tax office, not so much. But um, anyway, look, uh, please, um, I can highly recommend Lenny's Lenny's book, Everlasting Optimism. It's a it's a quick, easy read, uh, full of great laughs and stories, and great insights into creative adjustment and other forms of creativity. So uh, please. Uh, um, have a uh, have a read if you if you're uh, a reader, and um, tune in next week. And, and give us a, give us a review uh, if you'd like to pop some notes in the comments at the bottom of the podcast. We'd love to hear your best joke. That's the top thing we'd like to hear from you. Um, but also give us a rating, hopefully a five out of five rating, and tell your friends particularly about this session, this this show because it's been so entertaining as well as so insightful. Tell your friends about Lenny Rabbit and the Cold Graded Podcast. Cheers. See you next week. See you next week.